0: The Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo with Patrick and Kumamoto. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I could be better. (laughs) How could you be better? (laughs) I don't know. My shoulder's been giving me... uh, Mm. My shoulder and neck's kind of giving me heck. And uh, it's because I agreed to be in this uh, ballet performance uh, for my daughter's ballet company uh thing i say ballet company it's you know it's not a pro company or anything but i'm the rat king in nutcracker i'm gonna be the rat king so i have to wear this big old rat head (laughs) and it's heavy Mm. the costume itself is quite heavy but the you know the rat head is huge Mm -hmm. uh so and i gotta dance with that thing on (laughs) so yesterday was we had a long rehearsal and so I kind of. Other than that, I'm great, Tim. How about mm. you?
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so what have you been reading lately?
1: I am reading Deka by Wada Shinji. Skibandica was uh, a comic uh, in the seventies, eighties. Was a hit TV show. Uh, for younger viewers, they had like three seasons. Uh, it's like uh, Skeban is like, uh, she's basically the boss bitch of the high school, you know? Mm. She's the she's like a gang leader and the boss of the school. So instead of a bancho, she's a Skeban. And Ske is like a slang for woman. Mm. And Bon is short for bancho or like big boss. Mm-hmm. So she's like the boss of the school. and But Deka means cop, like police detective. Oh. And so she's a, a undercover uh, detective that the police don't know about. It's There's this other kind of secret... Uh, well, no. In the TV show, it's a secret organization uh, higher up than the police. In the comic, it's just like only the very, very high up uh, people in the organization uh, know about her, but she has a yo-yo, a metal yo-yo, that she uses to fight crime. And if she points it and like flips open the the side, it has the Sakura Police Sakura mark. So it's like, oh. Every time that she shows it, the bad guys go, Oh, Sakura no Daimon! Oh, they they it go, sounds oh, it's like it's Mito It's exactly like that. It's exactly like that.
0: <laughs> Mito Komon, if people don't know, is a samurai show that was on Japanese TV for many years. And it was like this undercover, really high-ranking uh, elderly man. And you know he, he and his retainers would go into a town and they'd find corrupt officials... And then, uh, reveal, well, there'd be a big sword fight about a quarter to nine (laughs) and then, then they would reveal that he was, uh, this, uh, high ranking person, like almost Shogun. I don't remember exactly. Uh,
1: but yeah, yeah. Like high level, like the the people in charge of the area. Mm -hmm. Usually the people in it's, it's always people in power, uh, versus the little guy. And I, I finished watching the first season of of Skebandeka, and uh, the whole theme of the show is basically: adults are crap, uh, police are crap, teachers are crap, school is crap, uh, guys, especially guys, are crap, and it's just like you know, it's uh, you know, a very kind of punching up. Mm. kind of thing and I'm surprised I mean it's weird that a show like this uh, which seems so anti-establishment is a Fuji TV show you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like Fuji TV which you know uh, the networks here are they're pretty establishment you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe it's like the Matrix, you know, if you ever watched the second movie, The Matrix, where they're like, no, no, we let them have their fun so that they, we, you know, we appease, we appease the uh, the anti-establishment people by giving them stuff like this, and that way they don't cause any real trouble. You know, I
0: don't,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I get kind of conspiracy theory around this time of the day.
0: <laughs> I see.
1: <laughs> so anyway, that's what that's what I'm reading, and I'm also doing. Uh, a bunch of research on Kashihong manga. So these are uh, rental comics from the late 50s, early 60s. They're super rare and they can be pretty expensive uh, if you try to buy some on your own. Uh, they're bigger than your regular... You know, they're bigger than your regular comics you know Hmm. your a6 comics they're they're like almost they're a5 i guess so yeah they're like a5 they're they're pretty big and uh a lot of the big comic artists from like that we know of that were around in the 70s and then maybe carried on to the 80s they started in this rental comic market Mm -hmm. which is basically drawing for page rates Uh, no, uh, no royalties, you know, they draw Mm. for page rates and then they, uh, these comics are made to be, to be rented only at these rental shops. You can't get them at bookstores or anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it's like this piece of manga history, which most people have no idea about. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I when, until I came to Kumamoto, I had no idea there was, like, this whole rental comic market and, like, that all of these artists that I really liked had gotten their start there. So it was kind of a eye-opening thing. It's like, you know, Gegege no Kitaro? Mm-hmm. So before it was Gegege no Kitaro, there was Hakaba no Kitaro, and that's the rental comics version. And so okay. when it became... You know, when he made it, when he, like, started to debut in the magazines, that's when uh, he became a lot more famous and popular. So... Hmm, I see. Yeah, it's interesting stuff, so...
0: Yeah. Um, I have not been reading any manga other than Fullmetal Alchemist. Um, I actually... Well, I mean, aside from the usual few uh, Marvel titles I read, um, I've been reading, like real, like, prose novels.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean real, Tim?
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no pictures. Um, so I was try- thought I'd try to inspire myself because I've always thought I was going to write a novel, and I've attempted a few times and never got very far. So I thought if I pushed myself to really read some novels, maybe I'd start writing. So I read The Catcher in the Rye, which I'd never read before. And I read a book called A Confederacy of Dunces. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that book. By John Kennedy Toole. And that was interesting, I guess. It was a, a little... Hmm. So I felt like some of the conversations in it run on a little too long. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting. And now, uh, for Deconstructing Comics, uh, Emmett and I decided we were going to... Review as many Stanley biographies as we could stand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're starting with uh, Stanley and the Rise and Fall of the American Comic Book uh, by Jordan Raphael and Tom Spurgeon, which came out back in 2003. So I'm about a quarter of the way through that right now.
1: See, I thought by now, because I've also kind of read summaries of a lot of those, plus the Jack Kirby biographies. And I've heard arguments uh, from fans and apologists and people who knew them on both sides. And uh, I've, you know, I really feel like there's not one biographer who has a completely balanced Look, it seems like they weigh on either one or the other uh, side of the issue regarding uh, the Stanley Jack Kirby relationship. Um, you know, I have my own opinions, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I wasn't there, so it's like yeah. they only matter to me. <laughs> um, mm. But it's, but I think there's it's, it's a way you can, you kind of have to look back because we're not going to get a definitive this is the reality. We're not going to get that definitive answer. Uh, But I think we just kind of have to look back and understand definitely both were involved in the production of a lot of great comics. And, you know, there's, I don't think either uh, contribution can be poo-pooed, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Stanley gets a lot of flack, but I mean, I think he was a, definite important part of what made me enjoy my marvel comics you know Mm -hmm. stan's soapbox Mm -hmm. and uh the 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 smarmy very positive comments in the comics that's what i liked you know it's Mm -hmm. because the material itself was can could be quite a drag if you know left at it as is you know like the hulk uh is he never really gets many happy moments, does he? No. <laughs> no. So it's you know, it's it's having that uh editorial kind of uh bit in there for me that kind of made uh Marvel lots of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Um okay. Well let's get to Full Metal Alchemist.
1: Um Is that and- what we're here for? Yeah, I think <laughs> that so. is what we're here for. <laughs> Boy, did I! Uh, I like this chapter. This this chapter, hmm. man, has for me like some of the like my loudest laughing out loud (laughs) uh, moments. So yeah, you're very eager to get into it.
0: Chapter twelve: the definition of human. Uh, And so, basically, this chapter has a lot of fighting and some talking, and you know there are always a few like really interesting points that are made in the talking. Um, And, yeah, then there's always comedy mixed in there along with serious points. So, uh, you know, what we've come to expect here. Um, So, on the first page, uh, Ross and Brosh, the people who were supposed to be guarding Ed and Al, realize that Ed and Al slipped out a window. And... They had to have gone to the old lab number five, which is where they are. Um, Now, we never see Ross and Brosh again in this chapter. Um, (laughs) I guess that they're on their way throughout the the whole rest of the chapter.
1: Right. And uh, what's the English title again? Uh,
0: The Definition of Human. Okay.
1: Yeah, this this kind of, uh, I mean, just from the title is... Reminds me of like the Star Trek Next Generation, the measure of a man, which Mm. is another way you could actually translate this same exact title, Uh, you know, like, which was about Data being on trial as, you know, is, can he determine his own future or is he property, you know, which is Mm. uh, an interesting, uh, I think, correlation to what the kind of the discussion that uh, starts in this chapter.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we go to Ed fighting against, uh, Slicer, also known as number 48 and Slicer is really a tough fight here. Plus then, you know, Ed hears some kind of a snap coming from his arm and remembers that, (laughs) uh, Winry, uh, Uh, says, this time I used steel with a high percentage of chrome to make it rust resistant, but it's less durable this way, so don't be too rough on it, he remembers her saying a few chapters ago. And
1: And, he still doesn't know that there's like a bolt missing. Right,
0: yeah, (laughs) he doesn't know about that. I thought maybe, I couldn't remember, I don't remember um, what the result of that is. I thought maybe something was going to fall apart here, but uh, he makes it through the chapter with his arm mostly okay uh but he's increasingly on defense here against uh number forty eight just kind of you know trying to avoid his blade
1: yeah the, he's got uh you know he's got quite a solid uh looks like a katana uh type sword and he's very quick with it um I like the layouts. You know like uh where there's like two small panels at top and then a big a big action move mm-hmm. uh in the middle and then uh the, like a, a reactive panel at the bottom that's repeated uh, a couple pages uh in a row. Uh, yeah, very like lots of movement. You just yeah,
0: it's a really good uh, fight sequence, and you know, you it's very easy to follow what's going on. And, very easy
1: to follow. And there's a
0: lot of yeah movement.
1: So important, okay. Like some of the reasons that I dislike a certain comic is when I cannot where it's all the action lines, mm-hmm. and I can't see any of the action. You mm. know, uh, like. I don't no. I don't want to say JoJo because I can't think of a specific thing. But like for me, City Hunter was like a, one of the worst laid out comics mm. <laughs> ever, you know, I've ever read. And uh, but yeah, maybe uh, maybe uh, JoJo was one of these where I had problems. I mean, I love Fist of the North Star, but yeah, it, it could be a little bit line heavy, uh, where you know you just had trouble reading the page. And like one of the things that I like about Jack Kirby is that he definitely had a very strong sense of how the page was going to be read. And uh on the Japanese side, for me, that the the master is uh the guy who did Batmanga. manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kuwata, Kuwata Jiro. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: His layouts are also amazing and full of uh like dynamism you know like tezuka had that too mm-hmm. uh jeff smith of bone you know like mm-hmm. you could imagine the, the the characters moving you know it's, so it's yeah i always appreciate uh well uh like well laid out easy to read uh fight scene
0: um on page 136 in the top panel what is going on in the background
1: with the lights right yeah I do not know.
0: <laughs> it's like there are lights inside of pillars that are
1: holding up the building. Yeah, I am not sure what that is. Uh it might be a prelude to uh some other guards arriving like later on. I don't know. It just didn't seem.
0: Yeah, that that was a bit puzzling. I.
1: I agree. I agree. This is yeah. Got to the the end of the chapter and
0: still didn't understand what it was.
1: I'm not sure if those lights had just suddenly turned on or were they always on? Um. See, I get the feeling that if they were suddenly turned on, then there'd be sound effects on them. Hmm.
0: Yeah, like flash or something.
1: Yeah, so I think it's just a background scenery deal. Um, Let's look back a little bit in the previous chapter. Okay, if you look back at the last chapter. Oh
0: yeah, in the when he when Ed first entered the room. Yeah, I see. Yeah, Yeah, those pillars are what I thought. It's yeah, pillars with lights shining from the sides of them. Okay.
1: So. So haha, I was right. They weren't just turned on right then. <laughs> no.
0: Mm. But I think it's the only time in this chapter that we ever see them that I yes. noticed. So That's right. So yeah. you'd
1: have to like remember from one month before that this was <laughs> that this was the background, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a lot to ask.
0: Ed is asking about uh, Slicer's ally who went after Al if he is strong Slicer says he's strong all right, but not as strong as me so Ed laughs and says and there's nothing to worry about I've never won a fight against him ever against Al and sure enough Al is doing very well against number 66
1: and and this is actually like the first time that it really hit me that uh, that Al might be the stronger one Mm-hmm. when it comes to fighting
0: yeah well um he's got some advantages with no body and being in that big suit of armor
1: but see i took this as even when they were you know both normal humans mm.
0: Yeah, because he be.
1: says yeah. so he's saying yeah. like you know.
0: So, not just since they changed, but, yeah. yeah. S- since the beginning. So, even
1: he was getting beat up by his little brother. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty cool that he's like, you know, my little brother kicked my ass all the time. <laughs> you know? Uh Not everybody can say it, can say something like that, so, without, you know, maybe being a little bit embarrassed.
0: Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, even when 66 thinks that he's got Al, then it turns out that he doesn't like mm. when Al starts to trip backwards, and uh, 66 sticks a, a blade in Al's arm, not realizing that there's no flesh in there. Uh, and then the blade breaks off.
1: Yeah, Al flexes, he closes his armor and then uh, uh breaks the blade like right in half, uh, and then. He does that palm to the jaw, palm to the jaw. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, 66 is also an empty suit of armor, except that he's got that uh, skull for a head rather than a helmet.
1: (laughs) That's right. And then he, uh, holding, like spinning his head on his finger, he starts to tell the story. (laughs) And now we realize that that, uh, the weapon that he has is like a cleaver for Mm -hmm. cutting meat, because this is the story of Barry. Mm. Barry the butcher.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was a butcher, and then he decided he was tired of chopping up cows and pigs, so he decided to chop up people.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And killed
0: 23 people before he
1: was caught. Did you count all the crosses? Is this 23 crosses? I didn't count. (laughs) I'm going to count real quick. 12. You know what? I think it just might be. No, I'm not sure. Might just might be 23 crosses. That's How meticulous. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. He's like, ha, ha, ha. Now I bet you're quaking in your boots. Bury the chopper. That's mm. me. And I was like, who?
0: Yeah, he says, I'm a cunt. I lived in the country. I never heard of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't get much tales about like who are the crazy people of Central are back where I live. Yeah, I like that. You know, like I, this kind of idea because uh, it, if you know about her next comic, uh, Silver Spoon, it's, it's very much like a love letter to the countryside, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, most comics take place in the city in Tokyo in and around yeah. and uh it's all about the the typical Japanese teenager college student they you know what's well, like in America if I'm from the midwest even though I grew up in the south I'm from the midwest and everybody in the midwest cannot wait to get out of the midwest i mean so they're either going to Los Angeles or New York you know those are like they want to get like uh, metaphorically as far away <laughs> as they as they can, and I think it's a similar thing. It's just there's uh, this image of our uh, city areas is so romanticized that it, you know, it's every kid's dreams to get out there and make something of themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could say the same of American comics because they tend to be city based too. Certainly, the superhero comics are.
1: That's correct. That's, I mean, yeah, and they're like New York.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for a long time, Marvel was like, everything was, almost everything was taking place in New York.
1: That's right. Spider-Man didn't travel that much. No. (laughs) He didn't travel that much. You know, he was a high school kid, so.
0: Anyway, so, yeah, um, Barry says, Og, what a hick.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah,
0: and yeah. okay, so maybe you haven't heard of me, but aren't you a little surprised by my body? It's not every day you see a living suit of armor. Um, and Al takes off his helmet.
1: <laughs> well, no, no. Before that, he says like, "You're supposed to say like, yeah or wah or what's what's wrong yeah, with your body can't you or something." At least like-
0: say wag or ie or how would you do that? Throw me a freaking bone here.
1: And. <laughs> <laughs> So, in the next panel, when, he said, when uh, Al takes off his head and he goes, Yeah! What is it? Is it Y in uh, it's English? It's Okay, because... Straight out of Charlie Brown's mouth. Okay, because in Japanese it's, yeah! And then he says, you're supposed to say, yeah! And then he's the one who says it. I just, I crack up. I <laughs> forgot about this. And so, when I was rereading it, I laughed out loud again. Thank God there was nobody in the house except the dog. <laughs> The dog was like, what? What's going on? But, uh, and then on the next page, he says, so in, in Japanese, he's saying, what's wrong with your body? Basically, Nanda sono karada? what's wrong with your body? Mm. And then, so then he says the same thing. <laughs> he, wow, what's wrong with your body? You pervert. He goes <laughs> pervert.
0: Mm. So in English, they have, "Wag." How do you do that? You're a freak. <laughs> and Al says, hey, now you're hurting my feelings. So, you know, in spite of uh, Barry himself being in that condition, he's freaked out by somebody else being like that. You know
1: what what this suddenly reminds me of when you explained it that way, is uh, this morning I watched the Walt Disney uh, short Lonesome Ghosts, the cartoon Mm. uh, where Donald, Mickey, and uh, Goofy are Ghostbusters, basically. This is a, a cartoon from the 1930s. Uh, and ghosts are bored they 're in this house haunted house. These four ghosts are completely bored, and they see the uh advertisement for these ghostbusters and so they uh they call up the mickey at his office which is doing no business at all and so they're very excited because now they have a client and they go to bust the ghosts and they're basically getting their butts kicked all over the place (laughs) until they find themselves like uh covered in flour and i don't know some sick molasses and stuff Mm. and so they're trying to get the molasses off and they look like a bunch of like Ghosts and so the ghosts go ghosts and then they <laughs> <laughs> they, leave, they get the hell out and so uh, I loved seeing that like I hadn't seen the cartoon since I was a kid but like I bought my daughter the uh, the Fisher Price uh, viewer uh, viewer there's a viewer that you can put in cartridges and see like an animation and you can turn it at any speed you like and mm. you can go backwards and it's from the 70s. Uh, So I ordered one (laughs) off of eBay because Mm. I I made a point of, like, giving a good mix of uh, analog toys before my daughter got sucked into the digital world. Mm. And, uh, you know, whenever she has friends over, they love it. You know, they love looking (laughs) at that thing. So, yeah, that's what that reminded me of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So then Barry assumes that Al must be another criminal who was experimented on another yep, yep. death row inmate. Um, but Al says, no, no, my my older brother uh, transmuted my soul into the armor when my body disintegrated. And, yeah, there's a silent panel then of uh, Barry just kind of looking at him. He's not sure how to react to that at first.
1: What's interesting is, like, from the start of the chapter he's not using he's not speaking in that like creepy font it's hmm. only after this silent after this silent panel there's one panel of him laughing and uh uh for some reason this panel is in this is in the spooky font and then he goes back to the regular font
0: hmm okay
1: so i think it's a change of tone in the voice you know like you know like he's being you know all dramatic Aniki mm. gehe. And then but the next part is like, yeah wari, wari. You know, he's just talking like a normal Like he just talks like more like a normal mm. tone, I think. So I think that's the that's what that change in font means.
0: Okay. Yeah, and like I said last time, the Viz didn't do anything with that. They just kept the same font all the way through. Mm. Um And, I don't know, so Barry seems kind of skeptical of this, that uh, the brother was really, that Al's brother was really doing him a favor. uh, Or that he might not be trustworthy. And Al doesn't really get what he's getting at.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is, is, I guess, the... Like the the philosophical, <laughs> you know, uh, metaphysical point uh, right here is introducing this doubt uh, into the minds of both Al and perhaps the reader mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, is Al's, any of Al's humanity actually really in there or is it a copy or, or yeah. what is it, you know? And because we've been reading along with no doubt whatsoever. To whatsoever as to the level of al's humanity and Mm -hmm. and we talked about this before in an early episode of how there's so many stories out there about once a human character has been given like a certain amount of power more than he had before it tends to make them less human this happened Again, Saturday morning was watching Next Generation with my daughter, and they had the episode where Q gives Riker Q level, God level powers, mm. and uh, and Riker, very slightly, starts you know to edge toward being a douche, <laughs> you know, and uh, and uh, Picard kind of reminds him of this, and Riker's like, "You are right, I was starting to be like a douche," and
0: uh, right, so. Barry says, what if your personality and memories were all fabricated by your big brother? It has big brother in quotation marks. Um, and Al's got a silent panel just kind of absorbing that idea then says that, that's not possible. There's no doubt that I'm a human being named Alphonse Elric. And I mean, this is where the title of the chapter comes from, right? The Exactly. The definition of human. Um, or this is part of it anyway there's another part in a few pages but so how can Al prove that he ever existed as a human because there's no, no meat he says there's no body <laughs> that you can point to and say that was me as a human um, and Al is starting to say then what about you and then that one guard from the front of the building that we saw last chapter comes in um, and holding a gun on apparently both of them. Well, he says, you there, don't move. This place is off limits. Right, right. Uh, so, uh, Barry just kills him.
1: Well, I mean, the, the point here is, like, I don't know, Al is just, he's answering as a, as a kid would, mm-hmm. you know, I am because I am. Yeah, and that's all that I am, and then the music starts and the spinach and everything. But no, I'm sorry.
0: And then, <laughs> but then Barry, you know, having just emphasized the point, says, "I mean, I like killing so much that if I kill, then I know I exist. I kill, therefore I am. That's all the proof I need to know that
1: I exist." So, but this, yeah, and. So, as in, like, as an identity, you know, the fact that he's uh, still completely swayed by those tendencies is, you know, it means he's definitely the same existence as before. But uh, whether or not that makes him a human is another question. Mm hmm Because some would argue that, uh, you know... enjoying killing that much doesn't sound like a very humanistic trait.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, how did that get to be the thing that makes him feel alive? Does that mean that he's mentally ill, or that he just never found anything else meaningful in his life?
1: Well, you know, I mean, if if we get into, like, uh, what constitutes mental illness i think it's a quite complicated Mm -hmm. uh complicated subject you know and it gets back to what's normal and what's not but uh but yeah when it comes to uh why people often do uh very horrible very uh what's the word i'm looking for just like out of the ordinary things is because they just normally have almost no feeling mm-hmm. uh unless they're committing something that's just so out of the ordinary that it makes them feel like they're alive
0: mm. or and in I, some cases in some cases people harm themselves so they can feel something like they that they can't feel otherwise somehow
1: yeah this is true like i mean i i definitely remember a specific time in my life where uh like i was uh i was in love with somebody and then it became painfully clear that uh that love was not going to be returned mm-hmm. and uh i was so in a, i was ready to start moving on but my emotions were shut down for mm-hmm. Uh, for months, you know, because I was, uh, it was quite a heavy time. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I only want to see the scariest, scary movies and the funniest comedies. Uh, otherwise, like, I just didn't, I was just kind of floating along, you know, mm-hmm. numb. Uh, you know, but a little time to heal and you get through that stuff. It's like, you know, you have a cocoon and and then when you're ready to come out, uh, come out of it, you can. And, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I can kind of see I know what it's like to like feel like numb and just existing uh and wanting to to do something but not hurt other people though <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know yeah yeah, but this this page transition where he goes from the the guy aiming the the gun and then the next page bam the the cleaver's already halfway through his face uh is. Like, this is a, a technique I've seen in uh, comics, and especially manga, a bunch of times where it's like, whoa, man, that's a pretty, you know, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. Uh, so even with the, the the levity and the lightness that's in part of this, there's some heavy themes, there's some heavy scenes. It's like uh, this author never wants to let you completely forget that we're talking about some life and death, some scary people. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like she keeps kind of bouncing back and forth between those extremes of really creepy or serious and then also comedy.
1: Exactly, exactly. And a lot of, you know, a lot of horror movies is like that comedy is there to relax you and actually to kind of like put you off guard a little bit mm-hmm. um, so that when the, the terror comes, it's that much more impactful.
0: Right, yeah, and when you've just been laughing at something in in this comic and then somebody cuts a guy's head in half, it kind of shocks you out of, oh, wait, I was just laughing at this and now yeah, it's yeah. not funny at all.
1: Yeah, haha, ha, serial killer, ha, ha, oh, serial killer, <laughs> like, you know, yeah.
0: Um. So then we go back to Ed and Slicer and... Slicer is saying Al can never make it there in time to help Ed. Then Ed tricks Slicer uh saying, Al now, and you know, as if Al is waiting in the wings, and Slicer turns around and He totally Ed fell for it. <laughs> Ed totally attacks fell him for it. Knocks his helmet off.
1: Yeah. And you're and you're like, haha, battle over, all yeah. done.
0: Right, and that's what Ed thinks too.
1: Yeah, he even strikes his, his I'm a cool-ass alchemist pose. <laughs> and starts brushing, you know, like resetting his uh, automail back to a normal hand, mm-hmm. and gets ready to move on. Yeah, you well, know,
0: picks up the helmet and says, okay, now you got to tell me everything about the Philosopher's Stone. But Slicer says, no, I'm not going to tell you anything. Um, in fact, I haven't lost yet and from behind ed comes a
1: clank sound yep the all important sound effects man
0: yeah it's just you see like part of his head just like one eye and ear and he's sweating and the eye the eyes open wide um and slicer's body is up and and slicing at ed <laughs> and get wounds him in his side
1: Tim, I have to take issue. That is a stab, not a slice.
0: Hmm. I'm not quite sure which direction the sword is moving, but...
1: I don't know. To me, that looks... You're right. This could be... it. No, I don't think it's an impact. I think it's a slice that was barely avoided. Just from the the kind of the reaction, the kind of action explosion area around the sword. Hmm. It doesn't... You know, if it was a from the side type of slice that I think the action lines would be going in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're right. It was, it was a forward motion, but it didn't go through him. It just got him in the side.
1: Yeah. But who cares, Tim? Why am I being so picky? (laughs) (laughs) That's why you hired me. So
0: yeah, it turns out that, that there are brothers in this armor and, One soul is tied to the helmet, and the other one is tied to the body of the armor. So, the armor was able to get up and move around and and cut Ed.
1: Here's a question, though. Okay, so, we see that uh, these armor bodies have eyes. What passes as eyes? There's, like, glowing lights where the eyes are. Mm. So... And somehow this allows them to see forward, correct? Yeah,
0: but, both sixty-six and forty-eight are are like that. But uh, and
1: but man, what about Al? I mean, he, Al. he doesn't. He's not looking behind him really at the whole time. He's aware of what he would be aware of if he were a person looking forward, correct? You know, I mean, like it's like they have embodiment. Some kind of embodied mm. eyes.
0: Yeah, know? because I'm looking at Al. Yeah, his eyes are white also. Kind of. But I'm just wondering right. how the armor sees. <laughs> that's all. I don't ask too many questions. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the hard questions, Tim. So anyway, just curious. Mm.
0: So uh now Ed is uh, losing blood, getting dizzy and uh, trying to uh, transmute something as an attack. Um, And he's, I mean, Slicer won't let him. He keeps swinging his sword at him. Uh, That's
1: right. I mean, what else can you do against a super powerful, almost magical opponent is, you know, uh, you have to keep them confused and not let them concentrate.
0: Yeah. And Ed is thinking, this is really bad. Am I going to die here? And then he starts thinking about Scar. As I am, am interpreting these next few pages, he's he decides that he should try to use his power the way Scar uses his. And, like, blasting people with his uh alchemical power
1: that's right so you know he's mostly about creation you know he uses his uh, Ah, alchemical powers to to create to make rather than destroy reform and uh yeah rather than destroy scar's been all
0: about destruction
1: so and so, what we've learned so far about alchemists is that they tend to fall into different categories and use different types. And uh, here we see that uh, Ed might possibly uh, be successful at jumping lanes, so to speak. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, yeah, that that's subtle because he never says anything in this chapter about creating or destroying. But yeah, that's the. The switch he's making here, where you know usually he when he would fight he would transmute something you know make the floor turn in you know turn into some kind of uh like a log or a pillar or something and and hit the enemy with it rather than just zapping him
1: that's right, and you know it looks to him like he's not entirely comfortable with the with the move I mean he's connecting it directly with Scar who he doesn't like you know mm-hmm. and so you know it's it worked for him because uh, wasn't it mentioned in this battle that uh, everything's fair in war right, or Yeah, you know, like that?
0: anything's fair in the fight to the death yeah that so. yeah Ed says that at one <laughs> point and then Slicer throws it back at him later when the the Brother, in the body of the armor is revealed. Right, right. Um, but, and so,
1: and then it comes back again. So that's come to think of it, that part I, I just thought of it, and it's yeah, it's brilliant.
0: Um, but yeah, with that blast, he's able to break the body of the armor in half. The chest and arm part separated from the abdomen and legs.
1: That's right, and it's it's kind of like uh, on the floor. Vibrating and you know, mm, twitching, shaking, twitching, yeah, and uh, so, yeah, it's kind yeah. of creepy. Ed says,
0: "Ew, <laughs> that's too weird." Yeah, um, and,
1: but so they're like, "Go ahead, just kill us," you know. Yeah, Why well, I mean, Ed wants over with? to
0: hear about you know everything they know about the philosopher's stone, and they're saying, "No, can't do that. Just destroy us." But Ed doesn't want to. Uh, be a murderer and they're saying how can you call us human with bodies like these i didn't tell you to kill us but to destroy us but ed says if i were to accept that you guys aren't human then i would be saying that i don't consider my brother human either and slicer is thinking about things that ed has said during this fight and seems to be kind of putting together what he means or what al's nature is right then he starts laughing that when they were when he and his brother were regular humans, and uh, robbed, destroyed and killed people, everyone said that they were soulless devils, but now, when they don't have human bodies, for the first time someone's treating them as human.
1: Yeah, and I mean, what is he trying to say here? He's trying to say in a roundabout way that. You know, his him and his brother weren't treated like humans, and so they didn't act like humans. You mm-hmm. know, maybe the the one action the action started before that. It's possible, but it's you know, it's we're getting otherwise. Mm. Well, it wouldn't yeah, be maybe mentioned she,
0: here is she saying that uh, the the way that they were treated sort of reinforced their destructive behavior.
1: Oh, I think that's what she's trying to say. Otherwise, I mean, you know, why mention that part? Yeah. Why bring it up? Uh, she's trying to say that, you know, like, what is, uh, well, she is, she's trying to say something about here. What, what is humanity? Uh, but at the same time, I think she's, uh, also missing like what makes us human is also how we're seen perhaps mm. and how we're treated mm-hmm. from Ed's point of view. It's, it's more about what you do, your, the actions that you take, but, uh, you know, he still sees, uh, treating them like, like humans.
0: Hmm. And it's also making a point about crime and punishment and, you know, how criminals are treated and, you know, what's the best way to treat them? Are they, should they be treated as subhuman and then will they just act more subhuman because that's what everybody thinks of them?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, once you, once you, I mean, that's what groups do to other groups: is mm-hmm. they dehumanize them first, and that way they can treat them any way they want.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so Which by we're calling seeing them, all
0: over the place in the states these days.
1: Yeah, by calling them inhuman, by calling them demons, uh, and this this happens in uh, Japanese folklore. We have a whole bunch of uh, demons in folklore that, when you look at how that legacy started it's just somebody who was brave enough to step outside the community and do their own thing but the community not being happy with that because they're proving that you don't have to be part of the community you Mm -hmm. know so the whole like uh, the whole old lady demon is just you know an older lady who's taking care of herself She's not raising any kids. She's not a wife. She has no value according to the the community. So suddenly she's a monster, Mm. you know. And this is a yeah. This is kind of a thing that happens. uh, Not not just Japanese culture. I think through all cultures.
0: Yeah. Uh, So then uh, Slicer says, "Okay, I'll tell you everything," Um, and. His brother says, "But they'll destroy us." But he says, "They'll destroy us anyway because we failed to eliminate the intruder."
1: So basically, he's discovering part of his humanity because Ed treated him as a human, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would he talk? Mm-hmm. Right? So, right here, she's this is she's making her thesis that uh, uh, it's being how they were treated that. Was part of what uh, made them who they were, but can we say that about Barry the butcher, the the chopper? <laughs> no, not really. He didn't. It seemed like he was, you know, just doing a good business, being a butcher. But he got, you know, hmm. got caught up in uh, <laughs> enjoying cutting things up too much.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what prompted his uh, his change.
1: Yeah, so.
0: So Slicer is just about to talk about uh, who uh, who uh, tried to make Philosopher's Stones, and then a couple of uh, Lust's sharp fingers go through the helmet. And you can see in one of the later panels that one of her fingers has gone through the rune inside the helmet. Um, and Slicer is still making some sounds, but I don't... Perhaps he's dying. It's kind of hard to tell.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it obviously has some kind of psychic pain attached to it. Um, yeah. And then he's silent on the last page. But uh, he says, like, I don't know anything about the Philosopher's Stone, but like I can tell you about the people who put us here to guard it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not quite clear if he's talking about one or many people but
0: uh well in the english it's it's plural um but of course in japanese you don't generally have plural so it might be hard but uh, the translator has assumed that we're talking about more than one person
1: yeah so
0: so now just with when one thread is eliminated now we've got lust and envy uh saying, what's the Full Metal Runt doing here? I suppose we'll have to fix that, won't we? And uh, Ed is hardly in condition to fight anybody
1: (laughs) now. Yeah, yeah. He's in deep... He's in deep doo-doo as this book and uh, chapter ends. But before the complete end, we have a, a little extra... Right? little extra side story. Yeah,
0: called the Military Festival. Um, and on the last page, it says that it was originally printed in Gangam Powered, Spring 2002. So, not shown in Gangang, where Full Metal is usually published. Hmm. So, I have no idea what Gangam Powered was.
1: Well, I know, like, so the monthly GonGong is where where it was normally published, right? So... This is probably like a special one-off mm-hmm. issue that they they might have done and might have had some extra stuff in there. Yeah. Uh from different comics.
0: And the concept uh, of this is basically who would win in a fight as comic fans right, say all right. the time about
1: All the time. <laughs> Iron Man or Popeye, who would win? I have not yet heard that one, but uh, <laughs> but you know, back in the day, Popeye versus Superman, who would win? Was you know that would have been a thing. Uh, hmm. I well, think one of my favorites is the uh, the the battleship Yamato. You know, from the Star Blazers cartoon hmm. versus the Enterprise, and uh, <laughs> the the reason like that the it doesn't really get to a conclusion, is because they somehow the same decks get hit all the time, mm. and are they self-healing or what? It's like you nuts. Know, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we have the fight, and uh, it, <laughs> you know, except for some more jokes about uh, about his height, <laughs> and hmm. uh, Mustang doesn't really give him much of a chance to do anything. No.
0: So, yeah, Mustang at first doesn't want to have a fight, and he's giving all these excuses, which one by one are refuted, including that the president would never allow such a thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: president and would never allow such a thing. And this he is puts like the, his first fist time, down.
0: the first time we've seen the military chief executive, Fuhrer President King Bradley. That's right. It always confused me that his first name is King, but he's not a king, he's a president. <laughs> That's right.
1: Well, he's a president of Fuhrer, I guess. I, yeah. I, I I, don't read that. So, because I'm reading it in Japanese, it's like the word Fuhrer doesn't, uh, didn't really hit my brain. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's...
0: Is it Fuhrer in Katakana?
1: No, it's Daisoto. Okay. Which is, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's much more than like just a prime minister, it's, it seems to me, that it's, mm. yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean that's pretty loaded that they translated it as Führer because you know everybody thinks of a certain person.
1: That's <laughs> when right. When they hear
0: that title. Um,
1: that's right. I don't. Yeah, it's not a word that I come across that often, outside of, you know. I mean, I guess they used it in Star Blazers too for Deslar, oh, okay. Deslar, and uh, well, he was Deslock in English. Deathler in Japanese, Deathler Hitler, <laughs> Deathler. So, okay. uh, yeah, that's what that's from. Uh, hmm. So, but yeah, but he comes, <laughs> but the president goes, yeah, do it. Sounds fun. <laughs> I love that.
0: Yeah, so then we go to the actual fight and Hughes is up on a podium announcing his it's his daughter's second birthday and somebody says, "Who cares?"
1: Well, yeah, he's like, "And now for the moment you've all been waiting for! My daughter's second birthday." They're like, "No, no, <laughs> we don't care."
0: <laughs> um yeah. and so he's announcing Flame versus Full Metal and um Mustang is being booed and one guy says, give me back my girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And the other person's saying, work, go to work.
0: Get back to work. Go to hell, flame. Why were you the only one to get promoted?
1: Right, right. So they're kind of, they're picking at all the, the the things of his personality. The fact that he's very ambitious and, uh, but he does, uh, seems to be, Letting a lot of other people do his work, uh, and that he's a ladies' man.
0: And then when Ed is announced, then of course everybody's saying that he's small, or is he in elementary school?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and Ed is all ready to, to crush him with my bare fists, he says. And Al thinks, wasn't this supposed to be an alchemy battle?
1: <laughs> Good point, Al. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, as you said, uh, Roy gives him no chance. He's just zapping him like like Scar. They're throwing yeah. these explosions at him. Which, I guess, is tied to his gloves. Something that he yeah, does with his, his gloves. his
1: gloves that have alchemical marks on them. So, it's like, usually, you have to draw your alchemical symbol, like, on the ground or on something. And then, you know... The whatever the it functions, but because his are permanently written onto his gloves, he can I guess call forth his alchemical spells at any time. Uh, I mean, I think that's one of uh, Ed's uh, like special characteristics is that he can often do those kind of spells without any kind of uh, mm, symbol right. work whatsoever. Yeah, that was
0: mentioned early on.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it's... <laughs> but obviously, uh, Ed decides to uh, take away Mustang's advantage by destroying his gloves.
0: Right, so, so, yeah, he he transmutes a dummy of himself uh, with his, puts his coat on it, and as Roy tries to attack that, then Ed's steaks up behind him and slashes his right glove um, thinking that now he's won, but uh, Roy says, my left glove is made of reactive cloth too. <laughs> uh, and so it's another explosion and apparently Roy won and now Bradley is saying, make sure everyone helps you to clean up. And in the background the words total destruction you can see All kinds of wreckage and people (laughs) lying around in it. And Roy says, I knew that was coming. You can see
1: Ed on a stretcher, really small. Oh, yeah. At the top of the page. And I I missed it the first couple times. But yeah, now I see it. Uh, Al's carrying him on the stretcher.
0: Yeah, it says, to the ambulance.
1: Yeah, and he's like... uh... Oh, in Japanese, he's just making the ambulance noise as if he's the ambulance. He's Ah. going, people... You know, okay. Uh, so, but yeah, he looks like he's a charred, charred body. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's smoke coming off of him, yeah. and he's just a silhouette.
1: But we we see a little bit more of a Hughes' personality too, right? You know mm-hmm. how he's always he's always able to be. Not in the place where he has to do some work. He can right. Yeah, they say,
0: it. "Hey, where's Lieutenant Colonel Hughes?" And Armstrong finds him drinking coffee, and his excuse is, "A sho- soldier should know when to retreat." So, he always <laughs> tries to make himself look good for being lazy.
1: That is right. That <laughs> is right. Um,
0: and then it says to be continued in Fulmino Alchemist Volume 4. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's continued. In fact, the word end is there, but it's finished and also continued, I guess.
1: Well, I, I think perhaps what they mean is that there's more of this kind of side story. I guess so. Thing going on. or uh, But I I haven't even looked at Volume 4 yet in a while, <laughs> so I don't remember. have to take a look. But uh, do you, did you get the extra material yep. at the end? Mm-hmm. Pinap. The, the, the heroine the of Fullmetal
0: Alchemist, Pinako Rockbell, in a bikini. And then underneath it, it says, anti-fan service.
1: In English, it says, like, murderer service. Murderer Satsujin, service. Satsujin service. So, like, maybe they're saying, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> they're the services. Uh, they're murdering the concept of service. I don't know. So, but hey, you know what? You never know. There's some people who might be into this kind of
0: thing. I mean, I'm sure that there are much more, many more requests to see Winry in a bikini, and of I course, betcha. many people have do- gone ahead and done that for themselves, or in we- wearing even less than that.
1: Yeah, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> we don't need to get into that. That's a whole. Whole can of worms. Uh, mm. But we have the, the three uh, four panel gag strips yeah. at the end. Um, the first one is basically it's like, you know, the guy says, I'm running on a platform of it's, it's like high school, the joke about like high school uh, class principal. Where the one Uh, guy's like, we're going to get vending machines and we're going to, you know, and we're going to have more dances. That's right. (laughs) Stupid stuff. And uh, he's like, I'm going to make all the women wear miniskirts, which is, you know, the guys are like, yay. But I'm like,
0: he gets their vote. Then they say, I'll follow him for the rest of my life. And they've all got bloody noses.
1: Yeah, it's. (laughs) And it's. Yeah, that's super creepy. (laughs) That's super creepy. Uh, But it
0: was written by a woman, so what can you say?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, like, I I have a comic which is uh, by, oh, I'm not going to remember her name right off, but uh, beautiful artwork and great stuff. But the way that she's written the characters there, it's... You know, it's victimhood taken to the extreme. It's you know, it's not a positive Mm. uh, image. So you know, that's a thing that happens. Mm -hmm. Is that you know, people don't always portray. uh, They don't always have to be the representatives of their particular sex or race, and they can sometimes you know do bad representations. Mm -hmm. It's possible.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's a good representation of men.
1: Well, I would say like like Japanese guys before they realized how accessible porn was. Mm. You know, then maybe ooh, mini skirts. Woo. <laughs> yeah. I remember when they outlawed mini skirts at my high school. Mhm. Uh and I remember exactly why, and it was a girl in my class and uh you know, she she was like how many can we get is was seemed to be her the, her challenge mm-hmm. and uh you know and i have to admit it did i you know like my french class was the the seats were in an l pattern and so you know it was it's not that i saw anything but it was distracting i will tell you <laughs> <It> <laughs> <Yeah>. was, <laughs> if there is a reason that my japanese is so much better than my french <laughs> <laughs> is that less distractions
0: yeah um yeah, then the second one, Al's big hairstyle strategy. So we've got Al in the center and then surrounded by Armstrong and Lieutenant Yoki from way back in chapter 3.
1: That's right, that's right.
0: And they they're all uh sporting similar hairstyles, braids in the first panel, top knot, afro, very tiny afros and then long hair.
1: <laughs> and there's no like punchline it's just no
0: (laughs) it's just stupid (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and then the last one's a close-up on uh well it's it's titled
0: i made pinaco's hairstyle like this just so i could do this joke seriously
1: yeah and it gets it close we get like closer 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 and it's Yeah, peanut
0: kind of straight ponytail or whatever you whatever the heck that is.
1: And it's not it's natto is coming out of it.
0: Yeah, and there's a a footnote in the English natto equals fermented soybeans.
1: But see, here's the thing: like, I have no idea how what natto looks like in its you know, like when it's harvested or whatever. You know what I mean? So this shape. Combined with the natto just meant nothing.
0: To yeah, me. yeah, same here.
1: I think you'd have to have that
0: must knowledge. Be a Japanese farm joke.
1: That's right, a <laughs> natto joke.
0: The pinako hair gag refers to the traditional way of making natto by wrapping some beans in rice straw. According to takeaway.com, this will ferment the beans overnight. Do a search for natto rice straw and you'll see what I mean.
1: You know, like, I used to want to have a t-shirt that just says, no, well, no, it's good. first it would say, yes, I have eaten natto, no, I don't like it. <laughs> just so I could, you know, I'd have to wear it every day if when I was just walking around the streets of Tokyo. But, like, uh, here I meet for fewer people, so I, I have to answer that question a lot less. <laughs> but, like, how many times have you been asked, Tim, whether or not you've... Had not to. Um,
0: yeah, I, of all the English students I've talked to, It's yeah, it have been a number of times. I haven't <laughs> counted.
1: But. Oh, boy. Like, the number of times that I'm asked the same question, I could make a whole T-shirt with all the answers, very specific. And it would basically, you know, cut through a lot of the small talk. <laughs> <laughs> but then people wouldn't know what to ask me, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I remember. Can you use chopsticks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, living downtown Atlanta. I would walk from my job, which was a Japanese restaurant that had a sushi bar. And I would walk home uh, downtown, and I would stop by this one sushi bar uh, where the owner was always really nice to me. I would order just a few things. I didn't have a lot of money. And he would always like give me some like uh, extra dish, or he would throw it out there for me. And I always appreciated that. But one time he gave me this uh, cone, seaweed cone full of rice, stuffed with natto. And I know he was (laughs) taking the piss, but I just poured a little bit of extra soy sauce on it, and I went to town on it and pretended it was the best thing in the world. Because if someone's giving you free stuff, you know, and they're they're gonna play a joke on you. I'm I'm not gonna fall for that. You know what I mean? I like I'm gonna first of all I'm gonna say thank you <laughs> for the free stuff, uh, and then I'm gonna pretend like oh wow this is great. You know because that's the best way to to win. Tim mm. <laughs> is, is to pretend that uh, you didn't you didn't realize it was supposed to be a joke and that it didn't affect you in the okay. way they wanted it to affect you.
0: Um, and then we've got. Lieutenant Yoki in a box under a street lamp that says my name is Yoki please take me home and the cow with glasses that's supposed to represent Hinomo Arakawa is coming upon this box and sweating
1: does it when you see Arakawa like in the in her like her cow persona with the glasses doesn't it make you think of Far Side yeah kind of glasses (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah a Little bit, so yeah, that's and he's,
0: and then we got a preview page. And then I think this page is stuff that's under the dust jacket of the Japanese version. Um, ah, one that that's... shows uh Mustang, Armstrong, and Hawk, Hawkeye, uh, dressed as uh Bosozoku, you know, yeah, it says, yeah. T- uh, stereotypical Japanese gang members, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: And and Mustang's going like I'll burn you, I'll burn you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: And then we've got the the little thing from the spine of the Japanese edition of Who Died in this issue in this volume, and it's the uh, the guard from chapter twelve, <laughs> um, it's, uh, going up to heaven and saying, "I did it, Mom." An insignificant guard like me appearing in a bonus in the graphic novel. <laughs>
1: Yeah, here it says, appearing on the spine.
0: Yeah, that's what I figured.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then it looks like the back illustration is Scar with uh, that, you know, that that hairdo that uh, the old-style Yankee, you know, the old-style bad boys Mm -hmm. would have. And he's got his... uh,
0: Yeah, that illustration uh, never makes it into the English versions.
1: Okay, but he's he's doing his scar is doing his best impression of, of both Hozuka as well mm-hmm. and uh you know he's saying, "What are you looking at? <laughs> and then uh Ed's like, "No, no, too much, too much. you're <laughs> too into character uh so anyway, hmm. that's it. That's the end of volume three yeah um I
0: meant to mention I happened to look at uh, Goodreads reviews for Fullmetal Alchemist Volume One, and one review was saying, "Well, there there wasn't much of a through story, and it was just kind of these random one-off stories." And I I wanted to say, "Just keep reading."
1: <laughs> yeah, because that's what you think up.
0: when you read Volume One, but yeah, once it starts to build up steam, it's uh, there's definitely a through story that even include some of the stuff you saw in volume one and didn't think that it had anything to do with anything
1: (laughs) that's right things that you think are possibly random there's nothing nothing random it all gets it all gets tied up Mm -hmm. uh together and that's i was thinking about full metal when i was talking with uh my friend mr hasuo who is an expert on the Beatles. The guy knows everything about the Beatles, Uh, but he's also a manga expert. Mm. And uh, we were talking about Hagio Moto, you know, who's a very highly respected uh, shoujo manga artist and her series, uh, the Poe clan, which Mm -hmm. has recently been translated into English. But if you want to get that volume, it's already super expensive. Huh? So, I guess, like they crowdfunded it, sold out, and then it like the price went premium so quickly uh so that's what I don't like about deluxe volumes is that you know they become inaccessible mm-hmm. it's, and I think the one of the biggest problems about American comics in Japan and Japanese comics in the states is that if, if the deluxe treatment is great for those. Uh, who can afford it? But you're not going to get mass coverage.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's always bothered me about. You know, Fantagraphics has had a tendency to do that too. They'll collect some, you know, you know, historic comic strip or something, but it'll be, you know, in a hardbound book with a slipcase, and and you know, it's like, well, mm, who is this for?
1: <laughs> right,
0: right, right. I mean, I think right. you you would want to be make it easier to get at, you know, cheaper so that more people might, you know, try it out.
1: Exactly. I mean, I know that there is there is that base, that base of uh, older fans that have money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am not one of them. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's why so many of my collection is pre-owned mm-hmm. <laughs> as they say uh, so yeah but at this po uh the Poe clan story i'm reading it in japanese it's very easily available in digital uh and you can buy the used comics very easily on amazon in japan uh it's like this generation uh Story. I mean, it's very generational. It's about these uh, vampanellas, which are, I guess, kind of like vampires. They live forever, and so they're uh, you know the story can take place in different time periods, etc. And uh, but there's a lot of jumping back and forth, and so Mr. Hoswo gave me his like a hundred page copy of all his research where he put on all these like timelines and maps of Europe uh, and stuff like that. I was like, wow. (laughs) So.
0: Okay. Well, uh, let's wrap this up. Um, We'll be back in a couple weeks with chapter 13. And you know, the law of equivalent exchange means you always, always get what you pay for. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See you next time. Next time. Our theme is Cryosyncope by Winterfiend. You can follow us on Twitter at L-O-E-E podcast or email us at L-O-E-E podcast at DecontractingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash deconcomics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of DeconstructingComics.com. dot com.